0: The Canucks are back on the road as the turmoil around the club shows no signs of slowing down. It is the Canucks hour here on Sportsnet 650, your home of the Canucks. I'm Jamie Dodd. I'm back after taking a four-day weekend. And with me, as always, he never left. He's been hard at work. Canucks insider Thomas Drance, who is on the road following the team in Pittsburgh as they get ready to play the Penguins tomorrow night. You, of course, can read Drancer's work at The Athletic as well. We'll get into some of his latest work uh, that he's done for The Athletic in relation to the Canucks this hour as well. Canucks Hour is brought to you by Avenue Machinery. Being a champion takes foresight, Build your company to win for years to come with fuel-efficient and reliable Kubota skid steers, excavators, and loaders from Avenue Machinery. Avenue machinery.ca and and Drancer I had booked Monday and Friday off months and months ago and I looked at the schedule and I meant you know what's the worst that could happen That'll it'll be safe to take a couple of days off mid-November even with this hockey team and I mean that's how it played out right I didn't miss anything no no massive stories no nope. explosive reports coming about about uh coming out about the Canucks just just a quiet four days for the team.
1: Yeah, no, nothing going on in Canucks land at all. No. Um, but I hope you enjoyed your vacation, man. I mean, look, it's important to take some time for yourself. I, I probably need some myself. Um so I'm glad you I'm glad you got some time with family, and now we've got an awful lot to discuss, yes. my friend. Well,
0: when you're covering this team in particular, you gotta you gotta get those mental health breaks in. You gotta do some self care well, answer every once in a while
1: absolutely you do especially because every day brings a fresh embarrassment (laughs) and (laughs) unfortunately but that's where we're at that's where we're at with this team and now of course the trade rumors are buzzing um you know a team called the canucks can you believe it they asked about one of their good players huge scoop out of vancouver so it goes but you know this is what happens and and What's interesting to me about the latest kerfuffle, right? The Minnesota Wild are into JT Miller is that no one in this market right now knows what to expect from this franchise, right? After every loss, you know, I start texting all my sources like, hey, uh, so uh, should I be ready for today? Like, what's going on? You know, fans feel that way too. And here's what's really interesting about it, right? The uncertainty that our listeners are going through in processing what this club is doing what this club's direction is the uncertainty that the people that cover this club are processing in terms of the same question right internally the canucks are doing the same stuff it's like everyone is waiting to see where the shoe is going to fall and that includes players that includes members of the coaching staff that certainly includes the executive ranks right and and it extends further, it extends beyond that. It extends to other teams. Like, why do you think teams right now are calling the Canucks? Well, they're interested in having a sense, right, of what this club plans to do. Like, they want to know, too, what direction this team is heading in. And it's not apparent. Like, it's not apparent to anybody, but you gotta stay on the phone because if you wanna be the team that gets you know that wins the JT Miller Derby like you better you better have put your groundwork in and you know the fact that it leaked out of Vancouver media in the fashion that it did too you know I'm sure I'm sure there's not a lot of happy executives in Minnesota Yes. yes I'm sure they're upset about it and and so you know that sort of brings us to the situation we're in where we're kind of looking at this organization and being like You know, you guys can't have a high-level executive meeting with ownership without it being public. A team can't call you to inquire about a good player without it being public. Like, what exactly do we do here? Like, what, what exactly is this organization capable of even executing outside of the public view, right? I mean, is this club capable of... Um, You know, this, (laughs) this club can't be transparent with the vaccination status of its players, right? Like, that's private. It can't be transparent with the status of an investigation into a credible accusation of sexual assault against one of their active roster players a year ago. But it seems to be able to be transparent with all this stuff that actually should be private. It's exactly backwards. It's just completely baffling to watch this unfold. Honestly, it's like hackneyed like it's a terrible look for an organization that would be looking terrible anyway just because of what's going on on the ice you know that same mess factor seems to apply to everything off the ice for this club right now too
0: 650 650 is the dunbar lumber text line the smart alternative visit dunbar lumber on bridge street in ladner or arbutus in vancouver online at Dumbarlumber.com. 650 650 we want to get you involved In the conversation, your reaction to the J.T. Miller trade report, of course, that was uh, from Ben Kuzma in the province yesterday reporting, as you said, Dranser that the Minnesota Wild have called and inquired about J.T. Miller, which, as you say, should not come as some great surprise. J.T. Miller, you know, one of the few Canucks who's having a very productive season for this team, and maybe you can make criticisms at other parts of his game, but when you have a player like Miller with his track record of recent point production who's having a good season on a struggling team – yeah, teams are going to be interested. Kevin Fiala, Jordan Greenway, a couple of the names that were mentioned by Kuzma as potential uh, pieces, you know, and again, we're not, this This report is not, oh, there's an imminent trade going down with JT Miller to the Minnesota Wild and here are the pieces that are likely to come back. That's not the, what the reporting is at all. It was simply, hey, they called and here's some pieces that might be involved in any deal if it did come to fruition. Well, well,
1: and let me jump in and just add some context here. My understanding is that the concept of a, a JT Miller deal was was not broached at a high level in like a collaborative setting within the organization, right? Like I think this was a initial call type thing, type situation. Yeah. Like one one of those one of those temperature taking calls that often happen between NHL clubs and that very rarely see the light of day in terms of you know uh, being played out in the media. So you know I, I don't think there's a ton of smoke here by any means. Um, you know and, and for me I look at JT Miller and I look at the way that he competes and sure we can you know quibble with some of the puck dis- the decision making that he <laughs> that he can fall into with the puck. You know we can campaign or pound our fist on the table about seeing him at the net front instead of, you know, at the uh, at the half wall on the power play. But, like, how do you watch the effort that JT yeah. Miller brings, the pride that he brings night in, night out, and not think he's part of the solution, right? It's not just me who thinks that. Like, I'm pretty sure the organization believes that too. So, you know, I, I'm not putting a ton of stock into the idea that a, a move of that magnitude is imminent or in the offing but you know it it just it did get out a team expressed interest i don't think the minnesota wild are the only team tracking players of jt miller's caliber with interest particularly as this canucks season continues to go sideways it just really more than anything reflects where this organization is at in the nhl pecking order at the moment and the uncertainty that surrounds the club in league circles and as you said Okay, There,
0: yes, there have been fans have had issues with JT Miller with, you know, the body language and the turnovers and and, and the, some of the two-way play and all of that over the last couple of seasons or season and, you know, however many games we are into this year. But if I'm a contending team, I'm 100% talking myself into, okay, if we get JT Miller out of that situation in Vancouver and into our locker room... That's all going away because he's such a driven competitive player. As soon as he's on yes. a legit, <laughs> that's the limit, yeah. yeah, exactly. As <laughs> soon as he's on a legit good team with a chance to win the cup, you're only going to get the best of JT Miller. And look, teams talk themselves into goofy ideas all the time. But as I said, if I was a contending team, I would be talking myself into that because I think it's a very easable, easy, plausible story to believe about JT Miller. So it's no surprise whatsoever to me that good teams are going to be interested or at least inquiring about, you know, is he available? Is this a realistic option? That that's no surprise to me whatsoever when you look at the type of player that JT Miller is today. Now adding just a little bit of a wrinkle to this today and look, we'll we'll wait to see what Travis Green says about it. I doubt you know, it caused a bit of a stir on Twitter. I doubt it's anything too serious, but JT Miller was not at practice with the Vancouver Canucks, not on the ice for practice with the Vancouver Canucks in Pittsburgh, which wrapped up just about 15 minutes ago. So, I mean, the combination of those two things, right? You know, okay, trade trade report yesterday, or report about a call discussing the player yesterday, not on the ice at practice today. Again, I think a lot of fans out there waiting for something imminent yeah. to happen. I don't get that That's sense. That's interesting. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's interesting. Yes, it's very, interesting. definitely interesting. Those two things in conjunction is interesting. Oh. And how about the fact that Pittsburgh is JT Miller's hometown, yep. right? I mean, you know, I, I, and I don't believe that's quite right. Like, I don't think JT Miller is from here, but he is a Pittsburgh guy. And, you know, so you can imagine, right? You, you come to your hometown, usually seeing family or, and or friends, phone blows up. <laughs> no matter whether you were intending on practicing today or not. Uh, there's certainly something that the that's certainly something the club will need to address unfortunately Travis Green probably speaking in the next 10 minutes I probably won't be there unless he goes during our break Um, but uh, very interested to see exactly what the status is on Miller
0: yeah that'll be an interesting update for sure I mean who knows it could be the uh, the infamous maintenance day it could be any number of things that do not involve a trade of JT Miller now you know, you, you said something interesting, Drancer, uh, which is basically overall, you don't get the sense that there's necessarily a lot of fire behind this smoke. And look, this media, this report, as you at said, at least not yet. Yes, of course. And of course, like any player of JT Miller's status, when you're a team like the Vancouver Canucks, Yeah, he could be traded. No no one's saying he's untouchable. No one's saying it's completely fanciful and ridiculous that JT Miller could be traded. We're just saying this specific report doesn't necessarily mean there are advanced talks to move JT Miller. But as you pointed out, it did come out in the Vancouver media, and that leads one to believe that the source was the Canucks organization. And look, teams generally don't leak things willy-nilly to the local media, right? There's usually some sort of plan or purpose behind letting information like this come out. Do you get the sense that there is some sort of strategic thinking to getting this information out there in the public eye? Uh,
1: Maybe. I mean, maybe sometimes you want to put up a flag, as it were, right? That, like, here's a flag going up that, hey, we're open for business. But I don't get the sense that this is what it is. Maybe it's to just take the heat off, maybe it's to take a like to give a warning shot to the locker room like hey if we don't start winning there will be changes right those are all possibilities that could sort of um, motivate a team to make sure something like this gets public Um, my guess in this circumstance would be a message to the players uh, by the way, it's a maintenance day for J.T. Miller. Is there, the we official go. there we go. Is the official word. We'll, we'll see how he is tomorrow, is the direct quote from Travis Green. So, you know, we all take maintenance days with a grain of salt these days. Oh, in yeah. In Vancouver, anyway. Oh, yeah. Main- maintenance day is the new day-to-day in this city. But uh, But, yeah. So, anyway, clubs not suggesting that there's more to it than that at the moment. We will see. But the... Um, you know, the, the fact remains that I I would see this more than anything as ahead of a key road trip, a shot at the locker room, right? That, that would be my guess. If I had to guess what the club is trying to accomplish here, it would either be that there is, you know, it's a designed leak to light a fire under everybody, you know, make sure you bring it, make sure you bring it if you all want to stay together. Right. But I also think it's possible, you know, sometimes we ascribe intent when, you know, simple ham-fistedness is a sufficient explanation.
0: Yeah, and John in Vancouver texts in, a plan or purpose with this club, Jamie? Surely you jest. And that's a fair fair response, right? I mean, as I said, a lot of times information is leaked strategically by NHL teams for various reasons, but it is fair to question whether there's a larger purpose at play here or, as you say, Drancer, whether it's just kind of – Ham-fistedness, whether it's just, oh, well, this got out and, you know, we'll see we'll see what happens with that. That's certainly how it feels like things are going with the team these days. And just overall, you know, as we said, look, there are a lot of reasons why teams would be interested in JT Miller. And I think there are valid reasons why the Canucks would consider trading JT Miller as well. But before we even get back, get into, okay, you know, a potential return, what kind of pieces would you need coming back? You know, how, how would it change the makeup of the team If they traded JT Miller, my reaction just to hearing even the idea of making a trade of that magnitude of making a significant trade with one of the better players on the team. My reaction is that can absolutely not be the go-to move just because the team is in turmoil, is in crisis right now. I don't see how you can make what essentially would be a panic trade. Let's face it. That's what it would be. It would be, oh my gosh, we're so much worse than we thought we would be. We got to do something. We got to do something big. This is something big. Let's do it. Let's do it and cross our fingers, right? That's essentially what the process would be behind making a JT Miller trade right now. That just cannot be the reaction to the stat- the state the club finds itself in. And I-, and I think that for a number of reasons, first and foremost – we don't ownership has not come out like they did in February earlier this year and voiced their confidence for Jim Benning. So we have no idea what the future of this club looks like at the executive level. And in that case, how can you have somebody in Jim Benning who does not have a lot of job security at the moment, making massive deals like trading a key player like Jim Benning to me, it makes absolutely no sense at this point of the season with this general manager in place with no vote of confidence in place to be considering a move like
1: trading JT Miller. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. I mean, that's partly too why teams are calling, right? They don't have a sense of what the Canucks want to do here, right? They don't get it. And so, you know, nor, nor do we in the marketplace, right? I think there's a fundamental question that, ownership has not answered for the Vancouver market at the moment, right? And that is, do you support the vision that has constructed this club, right? That's a big question, but it's a big question that we don't know the answer to right now, especially in light of the fact that the club had, you know, meetings that leaked with ownership and and key executive leadership just last week, right? And especially given the fact that Jim Benning then spoke to the media and, you know, didn't appear to be a general manager like expressing a new plan. Everything's on the table, right? Didn't give a vote of confidence to his coach, Um, you know, accepted that the eight years was enough time to build a better team than he's built, right? So we're in this like vacuum effectively in which it's not clear to people observing this team or even internally you know, what level of autonomy current leadership has to set this right, right? And and within that context, you know, people are discussing, like, the big-name coaches, right? And it's like, are you going to go... If yeah. you don't believe in the vision, if you don't believe in the vision that has led to the construction of this roster, why are you going to let a general manager whose job would appear to be tenuous, right, whose, whose job security would appear to be tenuous, hire a, a, an expensive coach, like, spend the $14 million Assuming that Gerard Gallant's four-year deal is sort of market value these days, right? Spend the $14 million it's going to take to hire a Bruce Boudreaux or one of those top coaches. Like, are you going to let them do that just six months after you extended this current head coach for $5.5 million? Like, are, is that really how this goes? Is that how that cookie crumbles? Are you going to let them trade a core piece sort of get further down like after a summer in which the club made this roster more difficult to assemble to disassemble like limited the long-term flexibility traded uh, a fair bit of prospect capital in terms of draft picks sent out like are you going to let them continue to make this job a harder salvage gig for the next guy yeah if you're not keeping him you know like uh, the it seems like you know the vote of confidence we all roll our eyes at it anyway but it does feel like this organization should clarify right what the plan is simply put what the plan is for this group and they should do that now like the idea that we're gonna wait on the results from this road trip before we have some sense of certainty or clarity yeah. in terms of the club's medium-term intentions like why what, what how does that make any sense do it now i don't understand this passive approach to addressing what has been a massively underwhelming season to this point, right? And and he, and this brings us to, a, I just want to make one more quick point here, Jamie. This brings us to a key thing. It is on Travis Green that this roster is underperformed. And I do think it has underperformed, right? Like yep. this is probably an 80 to 85 point team true talent, right? They, they, they're on pace for 60 points, right? You, you wear that as a coach, right? The fact that this team's not very good, right? And and not only is the team not very good, but there's also not a ton of prospects in the system, and there's also not a ton of long-term cap flexibility. Like that stuff's on Jim Benning, right? But this current situation, the uncertainty that we're all lingering through, and this comes back to our focus on 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 what matters, right? Like comes back to our our absolute insistence on keeping our focus to, on what matters. The fact, this uncertainty, this sort of blah mess that the Canucks are working through right now. Fundamentally, that's on ownership. It is. And
0: the the whole idea of the organization kind of leaking these trade reports, it feels like an attempt to shift accountability away from – management away from coaching to the players, right? Hey, we we put a pretty good roster together here and the players just aren't getting it done, so I guess we're going to have to give them a wake-up call and shift some guys out. That's what it feels like to me. Isn't it, is it an, an effort to avoid accountability for, as you said, Drancer, one, the flaws of this roster, and two, the fact that right now the coaching staff isn't even getting the most out of what is admittedly a flawed roster. Blue line, I, I was explaining just a few minutes ago why. Oh,
1: oh, yes. Are you going to read Blue yes, Line Yes, of course Next, Blue, yes, blue Line
0: good. Bar Down says, Jamie, that's a terrible take. He's referring to me saying now is not the time to make a JT Miller trade. He oh. says, we have too many forwards and are desperate for right-handed defensemen and a right-handed center. Trading someone, I'd argue, is literally necessary. Benning isn't that incompetent, which is always a great way to refer to your general manager. He made nice moves in the offseason. And look, okay, whatever you think about Jim Benning's record as a, a, a someone making trades in the NHL and, and Blue Line Bar Down, I think there would be a lot of fans who would – absolutely say that they do not want Jim Benning making this move. The My point is that the time right now, and this whole idea that we're going to swing a JT Miller trade and salvage our season. No, you're not. You're absolutely not. And if you're making a trade with that goal, it's going to fail because there's no way that one trade is going to salvage this team's season. And then you add in the fact that, I would argue if you let Jim Benning make a move, the incentives between what's best for him and his job security and what's best for the long-term future of the club are completely out of whack. and That's never a situation you want to put yourself in. But at a certain point, this team has to get real with themselves. They have to have some internal honesty, right? They obviously didn't have that after the bubble where they we can now see massively overrated what happened in the bubble and and didn't didn't identify the key players from that team to keep around, which I think has become pretty obvious now. They didn't have that internal honesty when they got off to a brutal start last year, and they obviously internally chalked it up to, oh, it was the pandemic, we didn't have enough practice time. Now they've been completely caught off guard by the situation they're in. At some point, they have to be real with themselves and admit, we are not one trade away from going on a St. St. Louis Blues run and making the playoffs and going deep and trying to win a Stanley Cup. They're not one trade away from doing that. At a certain point, you just have to be honest with yourself. You got to look yourself in the mirror and be real. They are not one trade away from anything right now. Wow, man. This is great. Oh, like, come on. Am I wrong? Nope. Or oh yeah, yeah. You nope. know
1: what? I think they're just one move away from really figuring this out.
0: They're not they're on pace for 60
1: points. I love it. You you just you're you're using the tone that someone uses to like explain why a breakup that someone's struggling with like struggling to work through like needs to move on with their life like look in the mirror you have to be honest with yourself man i just appreciate it like you're bringing the heat you're you're dead on and and you know i'd add i'd add one last note before here before we go to go to break which is you know even within that context right even even if this team was potentially one season saving trade away from you know bringing this group back to contention right this is a group that admittedly is surprised by how much they've struggled it's surprised that this blue line can't keep up at the in, in the nhl it's surprised that they can't win a draw surprised that they can't win a faceoff yeah right at what point at what point does it become clear that if you can't evaluate yourself right if you're unable to evaluate the players in your orbit that you see and work with every day accurately there is zero chance that you can evaluate the players on other teams to, at a sufficient rate like to sufficiently well to win that type of deal anyway like you are you are done you are done before you even begin if you can't evaluate your own players and time and time again you know we talk about after the bubble and this team perhaps lost some key players or or and and i'd say not just key players key people right key people that commit, that made this group tick in 1920 um they can't evaluate themselves and if you can't evaluate yourself there's just no way no way you're going to consistently be able to execute the types of trades that bring in the type of value you need to bring in in with every move you make to be one of this league's best teams.
0: And that's just it, it's value transfer. And in Blue Line Bar down text back in after my rant there he says I'm referring to dwindling value on our assets and JT's value specifically you're not in this situation with this general manager you are not going to get full value on JT Miller. You're not going to get the best value possible if you're trading him if you if Jim Benning is trading him as a panic move on November 23rd or 24th to try to turn this season around, you're not going to be getting the best deal for JT Miller that you possibly can. Look, I get it. His contract, the longer you let it go, the less value his contract status has. I understand that. It's still better to have the right person in place to know what the direction of the team is and then make the trade rather than do it in a snap panic move right now in late November to try to salvage your season.
1: (laughs) I got to read this tw- this text from Puff. Yeah. Look in the mirror. Toffoli is gone. Move on. <laughs> Jamie, the boss, Dodd voice. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Thank I love
0: you. it. <laughs> All right, Uh, that's a a great way, a great way to go to break. It's the Canucks Hour uh, here on Sportsnet 650. Lots more coming up. We'll continue to dive into your text. There's tons of them coming in about a potential JT Miller trade. We'll read some of those. More thoughts about what happened at Canucks practice in Pittsburgh today. Look ahead to the road trip a little bit as well. All that and more. It's the Canucks Hour, Sportsnet 650. Welcome back. It is the Canucks Hour here on Sportsnet 650. Jamie Dodd, Thomas Drance with you. It's the uh, Dunbar Lumber text line, 650-650. The smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber Dumbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner. <laughs> There's another one. Another one for the swear jar. Uh, Look on, in the mirror. <laughs> get, get it right, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver, <laughs> online at Dunbar Lumber dot com. Yeah, I got a little heated, got nailed, a little fired nailed it, up, it, nailed it in that first segment. But you know what? I mean, come on. Like, look at the state of things right now. We're, we're I mean, how many crisis shows in a row have we done at this point, Dranser? <laughs> because it's just, it's just lingering on and on and on, and there doesn't seem to be anyone willing to put their foot down, put a put a stop to this, and change the conversation around the team. So yeah, we're going to be heated until, until something else happens to shift the
1: conversation. It's going to be like this. Well, and the problem is, is they could go four and one on this road trip. And I think they, I think they do have a successful road trip. That would be my guess. And yet it won't mean that things are good enough in terms of how this team is built and what this team can realistically aspire to this season. Right? Like, uh, uh, Crawling back home. They're 500 again. Like, lots of home games in December. Like, are we really going to do that? We know what this team is. We know what this team is. And when we look ahead to January, when they play both the Florida teams twice and a ton of other tough teams, like, we know where this goes. And it doesn't end in a glorious run to the postseason. It ends with the Canucks stuck in the mushy middle again. And who does that serve? Like, what are we doing here? Right? So, you know, I, I think... It's a, it's an interesting one too, where this crisis is at this point so fundamental, and I know I overuse that word, but fundamental to what this club hopes to accomplish over you know in the big picture, that like even if we get a day where where they're you know a team that's won a game on the road, I mean that doesn't sort of ch- that's insufficient to really change this conversation anyway. And didn't we just
0: do the, you know, this this next batch of games will really determine what happens next? Like, wasn't that supposed to be this three-game homestand, and they got two out of possible six points? W- wasn't that the narrative going into <laughs> that homestand was, okay, okay, we'll learn something about this team here, and, and then maybe some changes
1: will get made. Now we're doing it again yeah. with a five-game road and trip? We're s- and we're still not at my 30-game mark. Like, no. I'm still not at, at my certainty moment, but you know, I can see enough, like the Canucks are so far behind the eight ball because of how they've started the season, right? Like we're now in the point at the point where they do need to reel off wins at a hundred plus point pace to, oh, to yeah. realistically make the playoffs. We're definitely there now. And, you know, I, again, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say exactly what this team is still for another 11, 12 games. Cause I, I have that 30 game Mark. I, it's, it's, you know, a, a absolutely essential to me to see that many games and to have that much data before I determine what the Canucks are. And the way that they're trending, it looks like they're an okay, like a better than I'd expected five on five team. But the fundamental flaws, the flaws in terms of winning draws, the, the honestly, what's interesting about it is they're meat and potatoes flaws, right? They're, they're like classic cocky flaws. Um, you know, they seem insurmountable to me at this juncture. And, and again, I, I almost don't even care if the Canucks do well on this road trip, and I don't understand how the organization could be placing much stock in that either. We know we've got eight years of this team spending a ton of money, uh, trying to win, failing to do what yeah. they tried to do, and then picking high in the draft and adding good talent, and then not sufficiently protecting that talent with quality people so that they win or succeed. And, you know, there's just no suspense here at this point, and that's a tough place to be in. I want to get – we've got a couple texts like this, and I want to just touch on them quickly because they echo a line of criticism that I occasionally hear from um, Canucks Hour listener uh, John Cheech Garrett. And John Cheech Garrett will listen to our show, and then he gets at me He goes, yeah, I agreed with you, but, you know, you had no solutions. I want solutions. And we had some texts – put yourself in the new GM shoes. What's your actual plan? Um, you know, we, we had a couple of texts of that order, right? Like what, how do you solve, how do you solve this? Now I tend not to be in the solutions business. Like that's not kind of what I do. I elucidate the issues. I don't call for jobs. That's not how I, that's not how I function as a reporter. You know, like I don't, I don't understand why people expect that from sports media, it's it seems a little ridiculous. Those aren't my decisions to make, My de- or, or, nor are they my decisions to suggest, in my opinion. I think my job is to basically, um, you know, apply an objective standard to the hockey team and try and clarify what issues surround it, right? And so as I look through this team and where they're at and what should come next from this team, right? You know, I sort of see two paths. I see two paths, as it were, Jamie, and, and one is, you know, I asked this fundamental question in the first segment, right? Do you believe in the direction or the vision that has constructed this roster or not? Do you believe in that direction and, or vision? And if you say yes, you do, then then I think the options are you either make a trade because you believe in the vision, you believe in this general manager, right? Then you either make a trade or you, re- you replace your coaching staff and bring in a really high um, level coach. To set this right right that that's if the answer to that question is yes then those are the two things you can do to see if you can salvage this season and then you go back to the drawing board and try to address some problems and, and keep building with this vision being the one you believe in if the answer is no if the answer is no then i think it's incumbent on the organization to make changes quickly at the executive level right like if the answer is no then you make changes at the executive level And you don't need to have the answer when you when you do that, right? This organization likes to have the answer. They like to have the new bauble that they present, right? When they when they make a change in direction, you don't need to do that. You can take time after the decision is made, but make that decision so that the market has a sense and the and the league has a sense of where you intend to go, right? Like that. Those are two options here, as far as I'm concerned. And and you know what I think is most likely to play out is a completely unsatisfactory middle route where while the club doesn't necessarily in in a sort of full-throated way support the vision of this team anymore, but also is too passive in their approach to just about everything to, you know, actually pull the Band-Aid off and be decisive and active in charting a new course for the organization. You kind of limp through this season. Maybe you replace Travis Green with Brad Shaw. You know what I mean? Like, yep. you know, you do something sort of uninspiring in-house affordable and just kind of try and limp through this year and, and save the big decisions for the offseason. Meanwhile, you've wasted an opportunity at the trade deadline um, and wasted another year of Hoaglander's ELC and Pod Colson's ELC and Pedersen's bridge deal. And the last year of Brock Besser's bridge deal, um, you know, and and you're just kind of punting and that's sort of what I think is most likely and, and, and I also think it's the most unacceptable course for this organization to take. So you know, not solutions, but those are the sort of paths that I see forward, right? There's the decision where you still believe in this vision, and in which case I think you make a trade or you go get a big name coach. There's the path in which you don't, in which case I think you make a change at the executive level, probably keep the coach through this season, uh, sort of seriously reconsider how, how, and what you're trying to build here. And then there's the middle way option, which is by far the worst one. And that's just a passive one that sort of keeps us doing this and having this conversation again and again for months. And as much as I enjoyed your look in the mirror rant, Jamie, I don't have a ton (laughs) of appetite for that. And I don't, and I don't see a ton of appetite for that in this market
0: and i will say you know just from my part of the on the question of okay you you've outlined the problems yeah i agree but what are the solutions i think it's pretty clear that this group of players you're not just you know a change on the margins away from getting to where you want to go right and and let's be honest that that goal should be competing for a stanley cup not simply Making the playoffs, right? First of all, I think the goal of the organization needs to change from what has consistently been stated. So for me, you're not just one or two marginal changes away To make those changes, I think the the high the greatest chance of success would come with a different general manager making those changes. I've said that on this show before. I just that's my conclusion after having seen the entire body of work over eight seasons. If you get into specific player personnel moves, it's so hard to say what the landscape around the NHL will look like by the trade deadline, by the draft, right? I know I was arguing for not trading JT Miller right now, but a JT Miller trade at a more reasonable time, whether it is the trade deadline, whether it is the draft, yeah, that should absolutely be something you're willing to explore. There's a lot of guys on this roster that you should be willing to explore explore moving. So there are, I think there are player personnel, significant player personnel changes that should happen. As I said, it's very hard to point to, okay, this guy needs to go. That guy needs to go because you never know what, exact, what the exact return is going to be on any given timeline. It's kind of a cop-out answer, but at the same time, you can't just sit here and predict, okay, if they trade Brock Besser and JT Miller and sign this defenseman who's going to be UFA, they're going to be a Stanley Cup contender. It doesn't really work like that. But for me, it's clear that changes throughout the organization – need to happen. I guess that's the easiest way for me to put it if you're asking for solutions from me. But I agree with you, Drancer. I think the important thing right now is that we all understand exactly what the issues are. And just to the the idea, you know, looking at this five game road trip, and you know, it does okay. You can you can kind of look at the opponents and you've got Montreal and Ottawa towards the end of it. You know, Pittsburgh had been scuffling, but they won three in a row against Canadian teams on the road. Just beat Winnipeg 3-1 last night. It's fine to say, oh, hey, this actually sets up as a pretty decent road trip for them. But we've been in situations already this year with the Canucks where the schedule looks pretty reasonable, right? I mean, they just had a seven-game home stand with not a lot of powerhouse teams coming through, and they weren't able to get the job done there. So it's fine to say, oh, hey, maybe they could win 3-5 or 4-5 or or even On this road trip, but really this team and the way they performed, I'm very much in, I'll believe it when I see it mode with any sort of sustained run of success like that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, you look at the rosters of other teams around the league, right? Like I, I look at the rosters of the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Columbus Blue Jackets because that's who the Canucks are playing this week. And I'm sort of preparing for the games. And in particular, the Columbus Blue Jackets stand out to me because of what they did last off season, and it's like they're better they're better and they added just an absolute mess of assets you know yeah. in trading Seth Jones in in leaning into a rebuild and they're not worse on the ice in fact they're kind of fun to watch like there's a lot of young talent there there's Jake Bean acquired on the cheap you know um Bachvist from Chicago. Like they added so much talent. sillinger They've got, you know, the the wizard of Port Moody coming. Um, you know, there's a there's a ton of interesting moves that they made, and they didn't even get worse on the ice. Like they're actually more fun to watch now and better positioned for the next five years. Plus, they own a Chicago pick that's protected this year, but not the next year. Like they could get a top five pick out of that in addition to the other things they've already gotten for, for seth jones which includes sillinger by the way right yeah i mean just an absolute embarrassment of assets um you know I, I i find myself looking at these rosters and looking at some of the moves that are being made some of the logic that's belying the construction of some of these lineups and i'm thinking like it'd be fun to cover that team like, it'd be fun to cover that team Uh, I think fans probably feel the same way about watching those teams, you know? So, uh, you know, it just sort of speaks to how unacceptable what we've seen to this point is in the Vancouver market.
0: Well, it's another example of, and we've seen this with Anaheim already a couple of times this year, right? With the step forward they've taken, it just feels like a team doing what the Canucks have tried to do at different points. But just on such a faster timeline and with so much more success on a fast timeline, right? That it just – it puts what's going on with the Canucks and the fact that this management group has been in place for so long, it puts it in such sharp relief, right? When you see other teams who are able to do the classic, you know, retool on the fly and, hey, we'll keep some veterans around, but we'll add these young assets and it'll be a really successful mix – those are all things that the Canucks have tried to do, and they've just been never been able to pull it off the way some of these other teams have. And when you go up against those teams, in particular with Anaheim, when you're losing games against those teams, and we'll see what happens with Columbus on Friday, I think it's natural for fans to ask questions and say, hey, wait a second, why were they able to pull this off and we've been stuck in the mud for so long?
1: Yeah, why were they able to be competitive for longer than the 2011 core was, right? Be legitimately yep. playing in big conference final games well into 2016-17, then rebuild and now they've passed us again? Yes. Huh? You know, and and that's the other part of this, right? The organization part of like one thing the organization did believe was that the Pacifics was wide open this season. It was part of why they pushed some chips into the middle of the table to build this roster. And that hasn't come to pass. I mean, not only – like, Anaheim, I think, is a bit of a paper tiger. That gets Laughline Line is playing out of their mind. They've got a power play and a goaltender. So a one-line team with a really good power play and a goaltender. We've seen that work. I was going to say, it wasn't too long ago that we pretty good right saw now. that work sounds, here. Sounds pretty yeah, good, Trancer. <laughs> sounds kind of 2019-20, doesn't it? Yep. But but I think, the, I think the Kings are the team to watch. Like, the Kings are the team that, to me – when I watch them play, when I watch them transition the puck, when I think about the logic of going up against Kopitar and Deneau, you know, in your top six, like when I think about those two centermen attacking Horvat and Pettersson and what those games could look like, especially with how much better the Kings are in transition and off the rush than the Canucks are, you know, I think, oh boy. Like that that's the team that I think is... You know, probably going to emerge as the third team in the Pacific as the sample expands. Like that's the team to watch for me more than the Ducks are. Although the Ducks could defy gravity, it is hockey. But um, you know, when when I sort of look at that, and then and then I think like, you know, Velarde is not an impact player yet, but he probably will be. Um, Byfield's injured and missing the season. They have this absolute mess of talent in Ontario in the American Hockey League. Like the Kings have so many lottery tickets that if they hit to be a top six six quality forward or a top or middle six quality forward like that's going to be nitrous in their engine and it's going to take the Canucks years to get there years to get there um the Kings managed to do it too while their guys like Kopitar and Doughty were still there like the equivalent would be the Canucks having one more competitive season in 2017 like one final ride for the twins and how much would this market have loved that right like that's the other part of this that sort of gets ignored when we look at the entirety of the Benning era right it's that the team tried to win off the bat they tried to extend the fun years around that original core and it was a categorical failure then they steered into a rebuild that has resulted in this team yeah I mean I mean there's no need to be overly polite about this at this point. It's dispiriting. It's dispiriting for fans in this market. It's dispiriting to cover, it's dispiriting to follow. And you know, now I think this market's just thirsty to have some clarity on what's next like what how how do we continue to buy in to what this organization is doing? Like sell us some hope at this point, you know? And to this point anyway, as this season is sort of rather rapidly gone off the rails uh, i don't feel like we've heard an answer from the organization on on what exactly we should be grasping onto or or even how we should be describing what the organization's posture is in regards to what's next for this hockey club
0: And, and instead what we've seen is indecision Right. We, we've seen a crisis point develop and then just drag on and on and on. And right now it seems like it's going to drag on at least at the bare minimum, at least a little bit more. And that, I just keep coming back to that. I don't know how you can welcome this being the temperature and the conversation around the team for an extended period of time when you're getting these kinds of results on the ice. And just to get back to the whole idea of, hey, you know, nice road trip sets up well. This could help us turn around the season. You know, we can talk about the points percentage they need to get to that 94, 95 mark. Another way of looking at it is, they're seven points out of a playoff spot right now. They have five teams that they would need to jump over, six including the, the second wildcard team in the Nashville Predators. One of those teams is the Colorado Avalanche, who are all of a sudden playing like the juggernaut a lot of us thought they would be and still don't have uh, Nathan McKinnon back in the lineup. So it's just an incredibly tough road Anyway, you slice it. If you don't want to dig into the advanced numbers, just go by goal differential, which is often a really strong indicator of who's going to make the playoffs. The Canucks have a a worse, a much worse goal differential than basically all of the teams they're chasing with the exception of the Blackhawks. So literally any way yeah. you slice it, their path back into the playoff contention is incredibly, incredibly unlikely. And basically whatever happens on this road trip, that's not going to change because again, you're going well, up against you're going up against out of conference teams, right? So it's not as if you're even you know taking you're not playing these big four point games against teams you're chasing in the playoff standings on this trip.
1: Yeah, I mean Dom LeCision, who works at the Athletic, is my colleague at the Athletic, and and has the game scored, uh, or game score value added metric, which outperforms the betting markets year after year in terms of projecting team quality. And it has its misses. It was very high on the Seattle Kraken that hasn't come to pass because of the goaltending, uh, a true black swan event in comparison with what the Canucks have endured to this point in the season his latest update has the Canucks with 5% odds of making the playoffs. So a one in 20 shot. Yeah. And yes, I am telling you there's a shot, <laughs> but it's a 5% <laughs> chance, right? I mean, it is a slim margin at this point, And there is very little margin for error. I, I, you know, if the club doesn't clean up on this road trip, which again, I actually narrowly expect, like, I think this team will figure it out to some extent. I, I see some signs of progress. Like just looking at the underlying profile, and 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 look, I know that this is going to upset the audience. Like, I know for sure that this is about to be a very unpopular take in the Vancouver market, but I, I just want to note, when I look at a couple of things, when I look at the expected goal differential and the shot attempt rate that I'm seeing out of Elias Pettersson, for example, right now, this is the first time... Just based on his form over the last 10 games, and I know it hasn't always been inspiring to watch, but when I look at how his game is trending in terms of how willing he is to shoot, in terms of his control of play at five on five, uh, it's the first time all season where I've thought this this guy might be on the verge of, the, of a breakout. I also know that bohorvat has been getting a lot of criticism in this market, and fair enough. Look, like no points in seven games. I think it's fair for fans to have an expectation that he'd do more, that he'd grab the game by, by its lapels and shake it a bit, especially as the captain of this team. But uh, similarly, I see a lot of good things in terms of how his five-on-five profile has trended over the past ten games. When you put that together, I sort of wonder if this top six may be slowly beginning to crank into gear and what that could mean um, in terms of this upcoming, of this next few games. Like, uh, look, not saying it's inevitable. We know that this team's special teams issues are so significant that it could well undo any good work that the club's uh, club manages at five on five anyway. But there are some things that are trending in a direction that that does suggest to me that we're about to see the Canucks play at least up to their true talent level which is you know something closer to an 85 87 point team than what we've witnessed to this point i wouldn't be surprised if that starts on this road trip and even if it does even if it does i still think this organization needs to figure out their answer to the big question of what's the vision here do they believe in it and clarify for this fan fan base for the league for the personnel who are employed by this team both both on the ice and off Uh, what they want to do next and what this team's goals are over the long haul.
0: There you go. You heard it here first. Drancer predicts a massive breakout five-game road trip for Elias Pettersson and the Canucks top players. It starts here. (laughs) You heard it from Thomas Drance. It's going to happen. It's all going to happen. They're going to turn it around. They're going to turn their season around. You can take it to the bank. I should mention just quickly before we get out of here, Canucks Hour is brought to you by Avenue Machinery. Being a champion takes foresight, Build your company to win for years to come with fuel efficient and reliable Kubota skid steers, excavators and loaders from Avenue Machinery, machinery avenuemachinery.ca. Drancer, enjoy your stay in Pittsburgh. We will be back tomorrow at 11 here on 650 to cover whatever happens with the Canucks in the next 23 hours. I'm sure there will be something to talk about. You've got it on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.